This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. From Flint to Philadelphia, from Hollywell to Hollywood. Rob Ryan Red is a brand new Wrexham AFC fans podcast by Nathan Salt and Richard Fay. Now, maybe you're well-versed in Wrexham history, or maybe you're new here, so here's a few things to jog your memory. Here is Vose, great dribbling by Don Vose, and still, Vose, he gets past another, oh, what a goal! Don Vose, one of the goals of the season, he has toyed with the defence there, and that is remarkable, the Bull Boys getting involved. Conor Jennings, the captain, Wrexham's top goal scorer, 13 for the season, 14! Wrexham lead! It's Wrexham 1! Chester now! It's McDonough for Wrexham! Still Jerry McDonough! It's Matt Curran in! McDonough around the keeper! Wrexham! Wrexham! to the lead, ladies! If yesterday was a Black Friday, but today is a Red Saturday! Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. I'm Rich Fay, and I'm joined, as I am every week, by Nathan Salt. Nathan, how are you doing? Yeah, Rich, squeaky bond time of the season, but yeah, no, I'm good. A point from the Maidenhead game, so all smiles, my side at least. It was one of those games where I very much was the point gained rather than two dropped for me. Freak goal, go behind. It was all a, yeah, it's just, it was just following Wrexham. As soon as you start to get the momentum, you're straight away brought back down to earth. But Nathan, it was a peculiar weekend really in football. We had the social media boycott, which I know affected the way certainly I was doing my job over the weekend covering Manchester United. You know, it was a massive weekend for us as a sort of journalistic side, but we weren't allowed to tweet anything. We were told as a company not to put stuff on Facebook, Instagram, etc. And Wrexham as well took part in the boycott. And I think maybe something that maybe surprise some fans is just how close to home the, the matter is, the social media boycott. It's not just about ownership. It's not just about racism in football nowadays. It's also about just abuse and hatred. And it really did hammer home just how close to home the, these issues are with Dean Keats's comments over the weekend. Yeah, I thought I thought Dean actually spoke really candidly. And we've said, you know, on many of these pods that, that Dean has come in for criticism. And, you know, myself and you have criticised Dean but never to the point of you know we've criticised him maybe as a, as a manager some of his tactics his substitutions that sort of thing but you know when Dean's talking about people abusing him to the point where they're threatening to burn his house down I think he said stuff that you know stuff was said about his children you know really really personal threatening 
threatening things like that, it really brings it into sharp focus that, you know, as emotional as football can be and as frustrated as we can be, there's absolutely no way that you can tolerate that as a football club and as a society. And I think Dean, you know, it, it was important that he came out and, and, and shed light on the abuse that he's getting privately, that, you know, a lot of us have known that the dean has not been immensely popular as a manager but this this these comments that he was saying that i was reading are really unsettling you know the one that got me was that people wishing covid upon him him and his family i mean that's just really really hard to hear because there's so many great people in the in fan bases across the country at lots of different clubs and you always think there's just a few bad apples i don't want to say you know i don't know how many comments dean has got to that nature so i don't want to dilute what he said but it it just showed the value and the importance of, of the boycott, whether people think that raises enough awareness, whether they don't think it, it does anything at all. I know from my side, at least, it, working in journalism, I, it, it made a big difference in the way that people followed games and, and clubs not tweeting out at all over matches, you know, double header for us. I think I, I think it really it really did have an impact more than more than some of the detractors say it did. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm going to use some of Keats's quotes now here. I know he said himself that social media abuse left him questioning his own future as Wrexham manager. Um, it's been a rampant sort of season for him. And like you said, particularly the way it started, there was a lot of outcry and a lot of personal insults. I mean, we can insult, well, critique him as a manager. And you can say, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that, that decisions you make in team selection. You know, if it's a footballing issue and it's a footballing opinion, every fan's going to have an opinion, but you've got to voice it properly and you've got to give him the respect. And the be-all and end-all is he's not the Wrexham manager. He's a human being. He's someone who's given so much to the club. He's someone who played on with a dislocated shoulder. He's someone who lifted the trophy for us at Wembley. It's not just Dean Keats. It's not just some random manager. He is, you know, he's a Wrexham hero, whether you like it or not. And, you know, the managerial side of it might tarnish his his reputation at the club forever and how he's seen. But for me, he's a, he's a Wrexham great, you know, particularly of the, the modern era. I know it's not been a particularly joyful or fruitful era, but it's been disgusting. And it's almost a debate which is going to maybe continue, I can see, happening, Nath, and almost snowball because the, the issue is that we've got this newfound popularity. We might get fans from across the world who maybe don't understand the intricacies and the, the roller coaster of being a Wrexham fan. And, you know, that intense media spotlight, the intense scrutiny, the platform we've got, the popularity, the pressures of the job are only going to amplify. And the thing which does worry me as a, as a journalist particularly is it's, you know, every week I'm writing these stories of a player either being racially abused or someone having, you know, death threats sent to them and this when football goes way too far. I still just, I still don't know what the answer is. No, it, it, I, I don't either, Rich. Um, it's just, you know, those comments, I don't care if it was the manager, if they were being sent to Ryan Reynolds, if they were being sent to, a, you know, a volunteer. They're just not acceptable in, in modern society. They're not acceptable. And and people need to know that they can't get away with saying these things. I, I'm with you. I, I've written many stories about Premier League players, you know, being sent daily death threats and managers and, and being targeted. I love the sport of football so much and everything it's given me both, you know, as a fan and through work and all these things and everything it brings out. I mean, we're talking in a in a European week, Champions League football, worldwide attention on that, Europa League and, you know, you, at all levels. National League, there's huge interest in the title race, the playoff race and same throughout the Football League. 
and you you know they, we're used to disappointment and i can understand that talking of criticism of dean i was very critical as we get on to of of the team lineup when it came out and i texted you and said you know i wasn't happy with with how it looked that's fine that's that's within the realms of of what i think you you know is acceptable to criticize but once you start targeting people's families whether it's a player like i say a player volunteer manager anyone like that you, you've crossed a moral line and it's just not acceptable and I, I really hope that the powers that be continue to build upon momentum of things like a boycott you, they can't just keep doing a boycott but the answer on social media platforms who knows rich they, they don't seem to want to go down the route of you know kind of um taking away anonymity at least in the, in the back end of a social media platform and so who knows, but but it can't carry on as it is, you know, whether you're a, a big fan of Dean, whether you're not, if we use him as a case study, that, that can't carry on. You you can't have a, a manager running a football club at a, a key time in the season, trying to get his promotion and all pushing for the same goal. And he's having to, you know, try and wind down his day, receiving threats against his, his children. Uh, that's just not acceptable. And, and, and I'll never... I'll never come to the defence of anyone who feels like that that is within the ballpark of what they can and can't say. No, exactly. In my opinion, you know, I, like you said, you're a Wrexham supporter. Your job is to support the club's image and to be almost ambassador for that club. Yes, you can disagree with the players. You might not be a fan of maybe the, the squad you've got at the moment. Not be might not be a fan of the manager you've got in charge, but you're a Wrexham supporter and you need to back your team. And of course, you can have an opinion, you can have constructive opinions. You can say... You don't want. You could be Keats out for all I care. That's that's okay. But when you when you're that horrible and vile and disgusting and abusive to another human being, then your point and your argument is totally invalid, and you have no place at the football club really. And you know, when we have this extra popularity, we become a global brand, which is Robin Ryan. You know, that's the vision they have for us. That's that's what they think we can do. And we've got Fleur coming in, someone who's got that reputation of building a club. The keywords we've always hammered home a community. And that's what separates us from so many other clubs. Yes, there's that cheap rhetoric of saying we're unique. Every club says they're unique. But Wrexham really is a special club. And part of that is the fact that we stick together for thick and thin. We've had loads of crap times. We've been really low as a club. We've had, you know, that polarisation. We've had fans at war with one another. You know, we've had those, those nasty club politics. And we've had a toxic atmosphere at the club. And right now, like you said, Nath, it's all about unity. And I will not begrudge someone having an opinion if that's what they truly think. But if you're going to criticise and have a go and be vilely abusing anyone associated with a football club, then you, you've not got a place there and you're not welcome there anymore. And like you said, I'm not sure what can be happening in terms of going forward with social media sort of reform. Personally, I think one of the, one of the only ways that I could almost see it being tackled to an extent would almost be if the clubs themselves almost invented like a new social media platform where you do need to have ID to sign up to it and then they just didn't put anything on Twitter or Facebook. And yes, that could still be almost like a fan forum where, where people can voice their opinions. But if the players and the officials and the clubs stuck to their own sort of social media platform that, that they governed and they did have full sort of, then they could find out who you were, they could track you down, they could have serious repercussions. That's one of the only ways I can see actual change happening if you almost protect the players from that bubble but it doesn't mean the abuse will just disappear and it's just a real a real slippery slope and a real unenviable position but like you said Nave, it's particularly damaging because it's come at such a crucial time in the season as well where you know we talk about consistency we talk about unity and right now 
I know it's not been a great season. I know this isn't one of the best Wrexham teams we've seen in the non-league, but we're only one big push away from promotion. Yeah, this I've said this repeatedly. This isn't a strong league, in my opinion, this year. And I know it, it, it's ironic that it's actually a lot more exciting once you kind of lessen the quality, I think, of the teams that are in there. That it's become super exciting. The title's still up for grabs, unfortunately not for us, but the title's still there for a couple of teams. The playoffs, I mean, you've got people, you go right down to, say, Dagenham, and they'll think that they've still got an outside shot there. I think Maidenhead probably think that it's probably a bridge too far now. They need too many favours. But right now, just forget forget any sort of politics. Forget any, you know, you like this player, you don't like that player. That is That will all be, in, in a matter of weeks, six weeks, say, that will all be irrelevant. Because a lot of these players will be moved on, you know. Manager may go, going to get a new CEO. A lot will change, Rich. So, for me, worrying about you've got, we've got this player, we've got that player. It's not working for me, Keats. Just, just got to focus now on on the next the next five games and handling our business. Because if we do that, we'll make the playoffs, and then we've got more to look forward to, and and our season will extend beyond that that final game against against Dagenham. So. Yeah, for me, I mean, just to, just to throw it back to the, to the games, I mean, like you said in the, in the intro, Maidenhead definitely a point gained in the end. Um, the Solihull game, I, I begrudgingly sat through that one. Uh, the the triple penalties, yeah, I, I mean, I just really struggle at the minute to see if the quality goes up, how how we'll perform because we're showing in spells we look fine, but in other spells, I think we look defensively really concerning um you know there's the second maidenhead goal i thought was particularly poor i don't just want to point fingers at, at tyler french because you know he'll know himself that, that that wasn't good enough that isn't acceptable but you know we've when i think back to that eastley game and the fine margins i know we had a goal a legitimate goal ruled out there but one one mistake could prove fatal now and when other teams are dropping points around us we really need to to capitalise, to make sure that it's not going to come down to that Dagenham game, because I know as a Wrexham fan... I'd never back us in so a one-off game. I just no, wouldn't. that's what I'm saying. We've had so much disappointment. I wouldn't want it to go down to 90 minutes, sink or swim for your season. I wouldn't want that at all. Um, Particularly so... when you think about the officials as well at this level. And <laughs> yeah. the, the, do you know when you just have that one bad decision, that's the season over, ruined, all that hard work. Exactly, exactly. You think of that... Think of the think of the Fiacro Kelleher red card when I, I forget who that was against, but you know it was very soft at home. You just think a, a, a poor official who maybe gets card happy doesn't show any cards at all, like the one at Maidenhead. I think back to the Eastley eliminator defeat when we had the goal disallowed. Yeah, yeah. Was it who scored in that game? Who was That's that? Kennedy. Kennedy was that yeah, one, I believe so. Good player for us actually back in the day. I was a big fan of his. But yeah, no, I, I think, I, like I said, I, I pulled up before the, the remaining games and I think, for me, I look at those top four teams, they're getting in the playoffs or they're winning the league. Torquay, Sutton, uh, Stockport and Hartlepool, they're in the playoffs for me. So I think you're sort of battling for those three spots. you probably got maybe six teams going for three spots, in my opinion, if you include us, Halifax, Bromley, Chesterfield, Eastleigh and Notts County. I think beyond that, it's too many teams. So I think... You're looking at six teams for three spots. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. Yeah, I think that's spot on, to be honest. I think, like you said, you've already got that sort of quartet at the top who really, I do think, have that golfing quality. And even if we were to get into the playoffs, I don't know how we actually get promoted because I can't see us sort of winning one of the games, never mind doing it three times in a row, which would be required to you know get through the eliminator, get through the semi. 
and then win the final as well. But the win over Solihull 2-1, the draw of Maidenhead 2-all, we're sixth in the table. It's a very tight competition, like you said. I think Maidenhead really are just tight. about out of the, the mm. running. Uh, Chesterfield, they... You know, as morally corrupt as they are, they they might still nick it. You never know. Notts County playing a yeah, lot of teams like, around us, though. And that's the, it. That's it. Yeah, Notts County. What, what like we, I said they've got Bromley twice. They've got Maidenhead again. You know, we've proven that Maidenhead's not a, an, an easy place to go. You've got two games against Bromley, so that suits us. Notts County playing Sutton tonight before we record. You know, trips to Barnet. I think when you look at Bromley, as I said to you before, they've got four away games now. They've got Notts County twice, home and away. They've got a trip to Torquay trip to Aldershot and a trip to Wheelstone. I just think, you know, Chesterfield have got to play Halifax the last game of the season. So they won't want it to go to a decider, both of those teams. So there's a lot of there's a lot of points to be dropped, more than points to be gained, I think, in, in that in the playoff run now. And it's about who can hold their nerve. I think at the minute we're just about keeping our head above water. You know, we're not playing particularly well. I wouldn't say we've got great momentum. I wouldn't say we've we've got great anything to be honest. That's five games unbeaten now. We've got going into this this last run of games, which will be Yeovil Town at home, Boreham Wood away, Notts County at home, Kings Lynn at home, and then Dagenham away on the last day of the season. Nath, talking about those five games, how many points do you think we would need to secure a promotion place? Like you said, or sorry, a playoff place. We've we've spoken, you know, ourselves that the quality of this league is non-existent really it's a crap league and we're just one of the crappest teams in it which is rather fitting to be honest and you just need to be average you need that consistency you need to grind out those results which you know like I said those four teams at the top have been doing and they've been finding a way to to salvage points and I thought the Maidenhead game at least although it was so underwhelming was at least fighting spirit and it was a game in which we got a point when it seemed really unlikely to be honest and we were saying it was typical Wrexham but like you said teams around us will drop points it's not going to be one where we've got to win every game to get into the playoffs. But yourself, 15 points up for grabs. How many do you think we need to get a playoff place? I think we probably need nine to get to get a playoff place. I think really I'd be... I think the Kingsling game is is, is the only one where I feel a degree of confidence. That, that's probably going to come back to bite me on a later pod, but they are, are a poor side. You know, they'll, They should have nothing to play for at that point. And for us, I think that that's that's one that I'd be I'd be confident in. Dagenham, it, it depends. You know, if they're out, if they're still in contention, that's not a great game for us at that point. The other games, Yeovil, and we, we beat Yeovil earlier in the season, but they really didn't look like they had it together. They looked like they weren't sort of at the races, hadn't figured it out. I, I think for me, when I look through, if I break down the results, I think it's a win against Kings Lynn. I think it's a win away at Boreham Wood. So I think that's those two are wins. And then you've got the Yeovil at home, Notts County at home. For me, I just don't want to lose that Notts County game. There's more value for me in drawing that game or you know just avoiding defeat than, say, beating Yeovil and, and maybe losing that one. I think you want to peg back Notts County as well. So I think if we get wins in the Kings Lynn and the Boreham Wood game and, and we get a point... In the Notts County game, I think anything from the Dagenham and Yeovil performances are, are a bonus. It's basically a with you, and it's difficult because if, if we were saying, okay, Stockport or Hartlepool have those five fixtures, you're saying they're winning at least four, and then there might be a draw in there somewhere. And that's the difference between us and those sides who I think are just another level above us at the moment. And like you said, 
we if we were to get into the eliminator, we saw that when we had that Eastley game, didn't we? And the winner would have played Salford in the semi. I would have fancied our chances against Salford, but as it were, we we never got to experience it ourselves. So, you know, whoever I mean, the, the one odd bonus is that whoever doesn't get promoted out of that four Hartlepool, Stockport, Sutton, and Torquay, the three teams who don't get promoted automatically their heads could really drop in terms of morale as well because we saw that in the 98-point season, that missing out on the title, okay, that was 98 points is far bigger achievement than the 80-odd it would take them maybe just to get there. But when you've been so close to the top all season and you just fought the final hurdle, that is such... Mentally, that's such a big hurdle to overcome. Whereas from our point of view, it will be, oh, we've got in the playoffs. We've got the momentum of sneaking into the playoffs, mm. which is seen as a positive rather than, oh, we finished fifth or sixth, which is a negative, as the other teams will have. And then once you get to yeah. the eliminator, there's a good chance we yeah. could be playing Halifax, isn't there? And we've beaten them 4 0. Yeah, I mean, I, I pulled up the you know our record against the top six um, about, I don't know, was it about a week ago, 10 days ago, something like that. And you look at it and go, we've lost both games against Torquay, so we took zero points off them. Hartlepool, we won the away game, drew at home. Obviously, we were moaning. I think that might have been the first game when we recorded the pod. We were battered, the, though, the, weren't we? The, and they had, yeah, a, we they had a clear penalty but, you know, turned down. But, but, point right, to but point. We, took four, we took four points off of, of Hartlepool this season. Sutton, we took four points off them. You know, it wasn't inspiring at Gander Green Lane, but we beat them at home. Stockport lost both games. Halifax, we drew at home and then obviously trounced them away. And Bromley, you know, four points from those two games. I think that was the game where Leighton ended up, you know, doing some real damage and, and went off to hospital. And Adi Youssef ends up rescuing a, a late draw. And then we beat them at home fairly comfortably. I think Dior was pretty good in that game. Is that, is that the one with the volleys? I think that was the one with the, with the, with the two Dior yeah. goals. So, you know, 16 out of 36 points. And as I, as I put on that tweet, I just put, there's no way really of knowing... I, th- I think if we end up with Stockport, I think that's that's probably our season finished. They're, they've got so many so more though? goals because in that team. That, yeah, I do. That was I almost do. role reversal of when we played Newport, though, because we'd already beaten them in the league that season. Went into that final as favourites. Even when we had Eastley, you know, I thought, oh, Eastley, we'll beat them in the playoff eliminator, but we don't. And there's that odd quirk in the playoffs where a team could be so much better from you for that out the season, but it puts so much pressure on them. And if we had Stockport in the playoffs, all the pressure would be on them. Yeah, I know we've got the takeover yeah. and the wide implications, but I always like play, would, I would, always but... play devil's advocate in the playoffs. I always think the team with the worst form who's been crap all season is the team that will yeah. go up. I get it, but I just think when I look at that squad, I mean, they had Alex Reid coming off the bench. I mean, what I would do to have Alex Reid in our attack right now, Paddy Madden, superb, I thought, when he came to the race course. John Rooney, you know, for all the, the, the abuse and hate he gets, is a fine player at this level. You just think McCauley Southern Hales, I think, is a brilliant player, one of the best wing-backs at this level, in my opinion. I would not want to play Stockport. I mean, I tipped Stockport to win the league on one of the early editions of this pod. Um, I don't think they'll do it now. They'll probably just miss out. Torquay look like they're just going to get over the line. Scott Bowden's Torquay. So, um, yeah, I I mean, Hartlepool would be the one that I think I wouldn't mind facing in that. You know, there's something about Hartlepool that I know they had that game at home, but we did all right there away from home. Elliot Durrell no longer with us, obviously. Yeah, got the goal and... Yeah, I mean Halifax. I've got no you fear did, there. You did say that then. as if Elliot Jarrell had passed away. Let's let's make no. It he's clear. not passed he, away. He's you know he's not passed away. Let's make it clear. He's not passed away. He's just been he's departed from the club, and I don't know what departed, number. Departed. Not was. sure that's a better word, but uh, he has been he's removed from the club. Terminated. That, well, I'm not ter- sure that sounds like a better either. No, he is. He just parted ways with the club. That's fine, isn't it? He's gone on to pastures new. 
Uh, but no, Sutton Sutton is a weird one, Rich, because they've got lots of games in hand, and you know they've they've done so well for a lot of the season, and yet when we've played them twice, they've looked fairly ordinary. You know, so I think for them, I don't really hold too much fear going down there because when we look at it now, for me, we're looking at three away games to go up. You're yeah. thinking we're gonna, we'll, you know, we'll finish. Say the the bottom two spots in the playoff positions. So I think we're, we're going to finish going sixth away. at best, to be honest. So you're looking at away, you're looking at away games, aren't you? So yeah. for me, we've we've looked all right on the road as well. You know, it was the Halifax game, and I've said to you before, there's something about our home form without the crowd that maybe it's just the opposition wanting to be make a mark in a big bigger stadium. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, I was speaking but, to someone from the from the club the other week and just having a, a general chit chat, and they said to me, you know that. Every home game just feels exactly the same. And they said they've been to most of the games this season. They've been lucky to be in the stadium for them. But every game just feels exactly the same. And it's so hard to differentiate what's happened in which game, who they've beaten, mm. who they've not beaten, because it's so stale and stagnant. And there's just nothing about it, really. And it's so hard to get the players G'd up, even though you've got great surroundings. And, of course, you can play the music when they come on. But it really is that sort of mental block. And particularly, I know we've got a, a squad of players who haven't necessarily played in front of the race course crowd yet. But I think, like you said, home form just doesn't count at all anymore. And we've seen it throughout all the other leagues. And do you remember when it was when the Bundesliga came back last summer, wasn't it? I think for the first three match weeks, something there was no away, no home wins. I think it was just like yeah. away wins because yeah. the home advantage was totally gone and totally just vanquished. And the, the, like you the said, issue I have, the issue I have going into the players, Rich, is this. You, you you need goals. You you need someone who can go and score you a goal. That's, that sounds a bit basic, but I mean, you need a striker who, if you get one or two chances, which you may get, you know, when teams are more defensive, they've been able to scout you a bit more. You know, who knows if you're going to get a bundle of chances? You look at Bromley and go, they they can turn to to they've you know they've scored tons of goals this season. Stockport, as I've just mentioned, Torquay, all these other teams. I think for us, one of the big frustrations with that Maidenhead game, and I don't want to be too critical but you know Chris Sang Dean was saying that he he thought his performance was phenomenal uh, in 16 minutes against Maidenhead I, I didn't share that opinion personally Gold Omateo's shown flashes but you know it looks like he looks like he's quite tired at the minute and maybe you know he's showing the effects of not not being with a club for for a long period Keanu Marsh-Brown I've wanted to see a bit more but you know he, he's been in and out obviously we've lost Kwame We've got Jordan I, I we Davis. Look, I, I we do have Jordan Davis, but I just think in terms of an out and out striker, you know, I feel like we we just look a bit light. Do you not agree with that? I, I think I just think we we're going in we're going to you know a gunfight without a gun, in my opinion. I know, but Huddersfield got promoted to the Premier League and didn't score a goal in the playoffs. They had two nil nil draws That's in the true. semis and then won the final on pens. So that's true, that's keep true. Keep the faith. We've got Jordan Davis, yeah, Brian, nah. Brian Gareth Bale. You know, you've got Dior, who's still... The finish was great against That's Maidenhead. it, Dior. You know what? There you go. I've done him a disservice. I've forgotten Dior. So, yeah, Dior... I messaged you when he wasn't in the starting eleven for Maidenhead, and I actually messaged a few people who, who regularly follow the club and, and, and have got good knowledge of what's going on, and and it, they said it, it was a... It was a tactical decision, just you know, rotating him and and keeping the fitness and whatnot. Obviously, the game's so close together. Yeah, well, it's less for than me, twenty four uh, forty eight hours turnover, isn't it? Yeah, so. no, no, I, I can understand it, but for me, the drop off after Dior is significant. So I was glad he got his goal. You know, I, I was glad that he he managed to rescue the point. It was a good finish as well. Their yeah. their keeper's probably disappointed straight at him, but 
you know, we we need we need Dior now to, to we need perfume and steak to sort of come together and um and kind of figure it out because like I think I I watch a lot of basketball, NBA basketball, and when it gets to those playoffs, the game slows down massively because teams have been able to scout you and and a lot of it is feeling each other out. We well, there's such a risk of defeat game. as well, though, isn't there? Yeah, you know, we, you see often fear in, of defeat. Yeah, you often yeah. see it in like major tournaments in the World Cup, etc. That often the knockout stages aren't always that good. Obviously, the quarterfinals onwards can get very exciting because it's just elite teams against elite teams. But there's such a fear of failure, and that's almost one thing which I think it's so hard to juggle with Wrexham because on the one hand we're a massive club for this level, we've got the extra interest and global appeal. But on the other hand, we haven't had that expectation. And this season was always sort of viewed as a free hit because the serious work starts this summer. You know, there'll be a significant overhaul, both maybe personnel and and playing squad. We've got a new CEO coming in. The owners can hopefully get over, get to a game, see what Wrexham's all about. And that's when the new era of Wrexham starts, really. This isn't new era of Wrexham yet. Yes, we've had the new coffee machines, the LED boards, three new signings since Rob and Ryan have taken over. But this isn't new Wrexham. And like I say, I think this is one last free hit. So I think you just go into the playoffs and just give it your best. Just to be in the playoffs, I'll be so grateful for. Because the amount of seasons just peter out into nothingness. And think how crap last season was. You know, in a weird way, the furlough, the COVID, the null and void season, that might have saved us from relegation. We could be a National League North side now. So I just want free hit. Yeah, I just want that game which really counts for something really matters you know a kind of um a game a, a non a not i say again a, a american term regular season you know these games kings lynn solly hall it feels a little bit going through the motions because we're all waiting now for that playoff campaign which yeah. i know we're not guaranteed of but i just want I, an excuse it, to open my aviation gin up <laughs> no I've, I've i've actually said I, i'm picking up my gin this week i've already said that that gin isn't getting opened until Promotion we get promoted me. so so i've yeah. already so i've already been googling how long does gin last? And I don't think the answer's 13 years. So if Wrexham could get promoted in the next few years, that would yeah, save 12, 12 years would be gin. fine. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was actually, I mean, I, I, I wish I was joking, but I was actually Googling how long does gin last? So, you know, if anyone can let me know. I just want to take this moment, actually, Rich, while, I, while I'm thinking about it, you've been thinking about it since you mentioned the 98-point season, to just say thanks a lot for all the feedback on the Curtis Obeng interview that we did. I know that was one I really enjoyed. I know Rich will echo those thoughts it was really good to chat to him spoke really well about Matthias Pogba and uh yeah just carpooling with Dean and and all these other things but you know kind of the discussions that he might have been able to come back or it was it was was at least a talk there with him and Dean so yeah if you haven't go back to listen to that that's really on the climb in terms of our most listened to episodes Justin Mayabe's doing really well still and a lot of love for the Adrian Chislevich interview that's that's our best episode so far Rich so yeah Go back and do listen to those because they should be pretty timeless and are really good for for old and new Wrexham fans. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what we want to have a, a mixture of, really. We want to do these sort of weekly podcasts where we talk about the recent matches, but those evergreen ones as well. And yeah, they're, they're a joy to do. They're really fun and for myself and Nafe as well. That's when we were sort of in the sort of boyhood of being Wrexham fans. And that, like I said, that was when I was going to games every single week, the 98-point season. And it was just great and just to be able to speak to the players I was watching on the pitch because growing up for me watching people like Curtis Obeng he was like my sort of like Trent Alexander-Arnold you know he was the best right back in the world mm. I was watching him week yeah. in week out I was like geez man and then to speak to him and he's such a nice guy and we chat to him after it as well still stay in touch so 
yeah, it's great fun. And I hope that we managed to sort of get that across as well, because I know sometimes it can be a bit mundane when you listen to player interviews or whatever. But I think the players we've spoken to have been able to really get their personality across. And I think Definitely. that's just something that you don't always get the platform to do at Wrexham. And that's no disrespect to the club or people who've done it previously or whatever, but it's just difficult to maybe do those sort of in-depth chats with former players all the time. I think, just... I think the the podcast platform that that we've got and others have it just it's more of a more of an open space really you know you can really sort of explore things over the course of an hour with club media obviously we're looking more at the post match interviews and more careful on on what they say and I think the fact that we're speaking to players that have left the club and you know they can look back at things with benefit of hindsight and and you know we're asking about good times and bad I think as well we that's why Curtis was really interesting because. You know, he wasn't filled with regret. Obviously, in in terms of leaving, he he would have made that decision again to go there. But yeah, it's just it's just a really good chance for fans to hear because at this level, it's not like we get Premier League level scrutiny and 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 that and as such, so you know, Premier League level media opportunities. So it's really good that that players and other players, you know, are wanting to get involved and wanting to come on, and we'll obviously do our best going into the end of the season and and going into to next season to to speak to more you know old and new players so yeah definitely go back and listen to those and as always tweet us we want to we want to hear your thoughts at rob ryan red on twitter and our email address is rob ryan red at gmail.com yeah i think final thing as well we're recording this on the 4th of may happy birthday mark carrington what's your favorite mark carrington moment stoke. easily at stoke i yeah. mean it's got, it's got to be yeah i mean I've, i think i've said this before but i couldn't actually get a ticket i was living away and i think you needed to buy direct from the shop to go to stoke such was the demand and i for whatever reason couldn't get back at the time and so i ended up sitting in the stoke end to watch mark carrington score that and i sat on my hands and i vowed never again to do that that was easily one of the most painful games and on the way home i got into a bit of an argument on the radio with ian wright who I don't know if I ever told you that story, Rich, about how I've I never heard this got story, into it. No, no so I I, I, I called I called into Five Live. Yeah, I called into Five Live on the way home. I was kind of really disappointed with how the game panned out. You know, Wilkins seemed to have it figured out, and then we had that late collapse. Stephen Ireland was obviously pretty good for them, and Ian Wright was on the radio talking about you know like he wasn't saying sort of little old Wrexham like good for them, but he, he was sort of veering off towards that road. You know, kind of like, what a day out for the fans. You know, they shouldn't be upset, like, happy days kind of thing. And I called in and said, that's that's nonsense. Like, you know, why well, can't I be upset? We're the same size club as Stoke. Yeah, Stoke. yeah I, I mean, like, that's, that's, that's what annoys nonsense. me because the, the rhetoric of modern Wrexham and stuff is like, oh, we're looking to Stoke away as a good away day. And in the scheme of things, it was, but it's Stoke City. Like, yeah, no, that's on. what I'm saying. Like, it's, a, it's a good away day. We took a load of fans there. Don't get me wrong. That moment of when he scored is great. Great pictures and, and great memories. But I don't want to be on the on the journey home, leaving the, the Britannia, about 365, whatever you want to call it, and and be listening to Ian Wright, who I actually like as a pundit, to, to put it out there. I don't want to hear him just say, you know, happy days for Rex and they've got here. You know, great day out. I don't want to hear that. We were we were doing well in that game for large spells, and it was just that very late collapse. We could have forced a replay, and in the end, wasn't to be. So I can be disappointed. I don't care if we're playing Man City or we're playing Bath City. You know, I'd, I'd, I'm going to be disappointed if we lose a game in in late on in 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 that kind of fashion. So yeah, I had a bit of a, a bit of a tiff, let's say, with with Ian Wright on the radio. So that's my memory of Stoke. What about? I'm trying to think of other Mark Carrington moments. Because he just seems like such a nice bloke. I've never spoken to him. 
He was my but, first you know, ever Wrexham player I spoke to when I was on the media team. Ulti away, I think it was, in 2014 or 2015. And I got to speak right. to him after the game, just one-to-one in the, in the tunnel. I think Mark Griffiths organised it for me, so thank you, Mark, for doing that. But, yeah, and then Mark Carrington was just really nice and, like, he knew it was, like, my first proper interview with a player and he was just, like, really kind, really chill, call me mate and stuff, but not in a sarcastic way. We're, we're mm. best mates now, but... Uh, but yeah, great man. So I'd love to have on the podcast because he's had so many eras of Wrexham as well. I bet he's got so many tales oh, to man, tell. Yeah, I mean he's yeah, I mean he's he's stuck around so long. I think he's part of the furniture now. And we've said it before, you know, what manager would come in and go, "He's a player I do not want." You just wouldn't. You you just won't say that. I mean, he he offers so much in terms of versatility more than anything else, and just consistency. Yeah, and he's just one of the players that plays like he just does the fans proud. But you talk about a manager getting rid of favourites. I mean. Gary Mills, Manny Smith, do we go down that route or not? I mean, yeah. that's probably <laughs> nah, not today. But I think there's probably yeah. good podcasting just Stoke Revisited, get people's stories from the days because, man, it was wild. It was wild. Yeah, Stoke Revisited it would definitely be one. And, and, you know, down the line, do let us know if you've got anything that you think would be a good kind of special episode. I know I've been drafting up some ideas and, and bombarding Rich on WhatsApp with different things I'd like to do. But, you know, really appreciate all the support. And just keep it, you know, keep it up. We're obviously hoping we can keep building this out, and and there's lots of exciting things to come. We're going to get a new CEO, Rich. We're hopefully going to get to Wembley and get promoted and drink our gin, and we're going to have a Netflix documentary, which I'm absolutely ecstatic. I'm I'm so excited to watch that. I, I'm just so excited to see Wrexham in kind of 4K and see anything behind the scenes. That's what I'm missing out on. Yeah, it's gonna be. As- like, because when I watch the Sunderland Dark and stuff, you watch the City one. So there's, there's always like a player or a member of staff who becomes like a cult hero and becomes famous. Mm. I just want to know which Wrexham player comes comes through well. Wonder if any will come through badly. But yeah, I just can't wait to see us on the big screen and be like, I've I've been supporting us our whole life. John, yeah, John the right. I wonder who will be a cult hero. I wonder who will be a cult hero in that squad. I'm just trying to think like who. You know, young because just such or, a nice guy. Yeah, personality. I'm just saying. I mean, I think. I'd love to see what an American audience think of Jay Harris and whether they'll need subtitles for him. Even Dean Keats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd just be interested to know like what the what kind of how it gets received. That, that's one for you know when it drops. I'm sure we'll forensically analyze that. But God, it would be good to is... get a new like American fan on, wouldn't it? Oh, 100 percent. Or when it comes out, like that's what we'll work on over the summer. Let's just forensically analyze it. But yeah, as as a final note on this one, Rich. I see I've got a notification that Notts County have taken the lead. So, you know, there's going to be lots of twists and turns to come. And without sounding too much like a football manager, it's just one game at a time. You know, that old chestnut. One game at a time, one podcast at a time. Thank you very much for joining us again on Rob Brown Red this week. We'll be back again after the weekend, the match against Yeovil Town. Who knows what mood we'll be in. It could be the promotion party on ice. It could be another... Ruined dream for supporting Wrexham. Who knows? The nightmare continues, but the roller coaster never stops. Nay, thank you very much for joining us this week on the pod. Thanks for having me on, Rich. And thanks once again for listening. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.